chapter 12, verse 2. The title of my message tonight is, Are You in Your Right Mind? Anybody ever asked you that before? Are you in your right mind? Anybody, anybody ever asked that? Maybe just me? <laughs> and sometimes I have to ask myself that question. Am I in my right mind? If, you, know, uh, you know, in our culture today, the, there is a definite battle of the mind that's going on and people are constantly trying to do things to get control of it. And uh, there's a lot of programs and things out there to try to help people uh, mentally, not necessarily with uh, think, you know, problems maybe that they're born with, but there's a lot of stress that's in the world today. And uh, people, boy, they just get burned down. They just get bogged down by all the pressures of life. And they just, I mean, you hear all the time about people having nervous breakdowns and things like that. And there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on there. There's a lot of heartache that people are dealing with. Um, a lot of times people are struggling maybe because there's of the sin that's in their life. You know, a lot of the stuff that's going on in our country today and in our, our world today, it, people are involved in things that God never intended for a human being to be involved in. I think about some young children who, I mean, you see what some young kids are already going through mentally. I, when I was in detention home, I remember talking to kids who maybe were 12 years old and um, already had made attempts to take their own life. And I thought, no child. I mean, nobody ought to ever be that way, but especially a child be trying to take their own life. I remember I went and visited a place one time for, for kids, young kids, you know, you know, early teens and even younger. And at this place, I noticed none of the kids uh, wore shoes there. And they said that they can't let them wear shoes because the kids will try to beat themselves to death with their shoes. Not a good way to go, by the way. And I thought, what is going on in the minds of these young kids? Why would a kid want to do that to themselves? And and they're struggling. And a lot of time, I mean, the, the homes that they're living in and the things that these kids have to deal with and the pain and the suffering they see, uh, very, very... Difficult. I mean, it's difficult for an adult to deal with, let alone a young child. And that's the world that we live in today. And in the Bible, we read there's several verses, and we're going to look at them. We're going to look at a bunch of them tonight. Definitely not all of them. But the Bible talks a lot about the mind and how we need to have the right kind of mind. Your mind that you have and what you're going through mentally, it's not all necessarily just. Uh, the way you think and the way your mind works right now, it's not you weren't necessarily just born with all those personality traits with that way of thinking. Uh, we've all got our different personalities and things because of different things that we've experienced through our life, different situations we've been in, things that we've seen, stuff that we've gone through, uh, things that we've learned. And the Bible says that we, need, we need to have the right kind of mind. And we'll read a verse here, Romans chapter 12. Verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It said, Be not conformed to this world. Alright, in other words, we're not supposed to allow ourselves or allow our minds to think the way the world thinks. I don't know if you notice this, but the world thinks quite a bit different. 
than the Bible says we should think. Their methods uh, for dealing with things are quite a bit different. Uh, in the Bible, if somebody is uh, having problems because of sin in their life, and sin it's going to bring stress, it's going to bring pain, it's going to bring suffering. And if you look at the Bible, the way the Bible says to fix that is to repent of that sin. Seek God's forgiveness and turn from that sin. Don't do it anymore. And then you won't have to deal with those things anymore. The world says, go take a drink or take a pill to help you forget that temporarily. But by no means worry about changing your lifestyle. You can't help who you are. You can't help what you were born with. And you can't help... But some listen, some things are a result of sin. And just going and taking a pill or taking a drink is not going to fix the problem that's there. It's still going to be there after you know you sleep it off or whatever. It's still going to be there. And but that's the way the world thinks. And God said, don't think that way. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to remind ourselves of what is right. That's why we've got to stay in the Word of God. We're bombarded with false ideas. Every day by the world, by what uh, we hear in the news media, by what we see on television, by what the doctors are saying on the radio commercials and things, just, they want your money. They're not interested in helping you. They want your money. Otherwise, they wouldn't be paying all that money to advertise. They're doing that because they, they can make something from you. But the Bible says that we need... Uh, the, uh, there's several verses about the mind and the kind we have. We're going to kind of go and in no particular order. We're going to look at some good minds to have and some bad uh, uh, bad minds, I guess if you want to put it that way. And see what God thinks about this stuff and the kind of mind that we ought to be striving for in this day and age that we live in. The first one I want to look at is in 2 Chronicles. I didn't write it down. I didn't know if it was Corinthians or Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 28, verse 9. You don't have to turn there. I've got a bunch of verses. I'm going to be kind of going all over the place. But it says, And now, Solomon, my son, know thou that the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Solomon, he said, he, he wanted him to have a willing mind. That's the first mind that we ought to have, is a willing mind. 2 Corinthians 8.12 says, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that that he hath not. Right there we see, God wants us to have a willing mind. We ought to have an attitude. It ought to just be our... None of us know everything about the Bible. We're constantly trying to learn uh, about these things. But all of us, one thing we ought to have is a willing mind. And in our mind, I mean, the way that we are programmed is that automatically, whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. I've got a willing mind. I've got that if the Lord tells me that I need to add something in my life, I'm going to do it. If He tells me I need to take something out of my life, I'm going to do it. If there's a ministry He wants me to get involved in, I'm going to do it. Have that willing mind. You know, most people today, it seems like you got to twist their arms to get them to do anything. You know, hopefully, you know, as parents, you don't want to have to threaten your kids all the time to get them to listen to you. You shouldn't have to threaten them to get them to clean their room and to do their responsibilities. You try to get them to have a willing mind. Hey, this is what I'm suppo- this is what you're supposed to do and you need to do it 
And you ought to have a good attitude about it. You have to have a willing mind. And that's what God wants us to have. On your job, your boss shouldn't have to come to you all the time and remind you of who is paying your salary. And he should have to come to you and remind you that he could, he does have the right to fire you. We ought to have a willing mind when they come and say, hey, I need you to do this, that we have that attitude of I want to help. But especially when it comes to God, have a willing mind. Say, Lord, whatever you want from me, that's what I'm going to do. If you have that mindset, I'm here today to tell you that God will speak to you and God's going to show you things. God's going to show them to you if you have a willing mind. But if you don't, if your mind is one that's not willing, well, you're not going to listen. God's not always going to argue with you. God's not always going to strive with you. He said in Genesis, my spirit will not always strive with man. God's got a point where I mean, he's long-suffering, but at the same time, God has his limits when it comes to how long he's going to put up with things. And we don't want to push God in those areas. We need to have a willing mind. But also another mind that we see in the Bible that is one we don't want to have is a wicked mind. Proverbs 21-27 says, "...the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination, how much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind." A wicked mind. We talked about, I think it was last week, about what wickedness actually is, and that's a departure from the law. When we get away from the Word of God, when we're doing contrary to it, that is wickedness. And the Bible says the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. Basically, what this verse is saying, God loved, at that time, God loved the sacrifices. But He didn't want it from somebody who didn't have the right heart and the right mindset. He didn't want that. He said, how much more when He bringeth it with a wicked mind. In other words, while God did want people to give the sacrifices, more it was, it was, there was something more to it than just giving the sacrifice. God wanted them to have the right kind of heart. He wanted them to have the right kind of mind. And when these people would come and do it just to say they did it, God was not pleased with that. I guess uh, a comparison of how we can do that today is there's a lot of people out there today who live wicked lives. I mean, during the week, they they live like the devil. But they show up at church on Sunday every week. They show up for church. They'll put stuff in the offering plate. They'll sing the songs and praise the God. They'll sing songs like, I have decided to follow Jesus. But they do it with a wicked mind. They haven't been following Jesus in their life. They haven't been keeping His commandments. He said, if you love Me, keep My commandments. And they're here, but maybe the whole time they're in the service. And while on the outward, on the outside, they're doing everything right in their hearts, they're wicked. They're not here to worship God. They're not thinking about God. When everybody's praying, they bow their head in prayer. But in their minds, they're thinking about something totally opposite of praying to God and bringing their requests. They have a wicked mind. We don't want to allow that to happen to us. And if we're not careful, uh, it, it's very easy to get that way. If we're putting all kinds of junk in our mind all the time. Say, you know, it's in this day and age, it's very difficult for people to focus on a message where somebody's speaking very long. They're not used to that. We're so used to just having the constant, you know, media and visual stuff in front of us. I mean, that's why many churches today, uh, pretty much everything they do, they got all these screens and the fancy presentations and things they do. And I'm not saying that stuff's wrong, but the reason that they do all that stuff is people they don't know how to pay attention to anything for more than a half hour if they're not looking at a TV screen. 
because they don't their hearts are not their minds are not ready to listen. They're, they have a tough time focusing, especially on things that are right for very long. They have a wicked mind. We don't want to allow that. We need to have what the Bible calls a right mind. Mark 5.15 It says, And they come to Jesus and see Him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in His right mind, and they were afraid. This is a story of what we call the maniac of Gadara or the demoniac. This man, he had up to 2,000 demons living inside of him. He lived in the tombs. He lived in the graveyard. He ran around in that graveyard wearing no clothes. He ran around the graveyard cutting himself with rocks. They would put chains on this guy and he would break them off. He was so he was so crazy. He was so possessed. He was completely out of his mind. But he met Jesus one day and he ended up getting saved and the Bible says they saw him sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Tell you, I believe a lot of the stuff we're seeing today, people aren't in their right minds. You see the things that people do to their bodies. The way that they just mangle these bodies we have. Listen, this body that you have, it's the only one you're going to get. I know science is coming a long way and they're getting where they can start to replace parts and things like that. And I'm, I'm all for that. But for the most part, this body that you have right now, it's the one you're stuck with your whole life. This is the only one I've got. And you know what? Uh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go poking holes in it and coloring it up and just tearing it up. I, want to, I, I do enough to it accidentally. I'm not going to go doing things on purpose. And uh, my wife said she read a comment the other day that I liked. I was about. I was about tattoos. And it said some long lines of no, I don't have any tattoos. Would you put bumper stickers on a Ferrari? And I thought that was kind of funny. I thought I'm going to use that if anybody ever asks me if I have any tattoos. It's like no, you don't put bumper stickers on a Ferrari. But this is the, this is it. This is the only one I'm going to have. I need to take care of it. And uh, people who are not in their right mind, they don't take care of it. They have no problem filling their body with drugs. And they have no, no problem even doing all the outward things that just tear their bodies up. I mean, can you imagine what some of these folks are going to look like when they're 70, 80 years old? I mean, good night. They're grandkids. They're going to run away screaming when they first see them. I mean, it's, it's going to be scary. If they live that long, the way they, the way they take care of themselves. And that's not being in your right mind. When you're in your right mind, you're going to be, your behavior is going to be under control. You're not going to be out of control. You're not going to be doing things to hurt yourself. I remember the one show that was really popular for a long time that I just didn't understand was Fear Factor. I would see the things that people would do to themselves on there and the stuff that they would eat. And I thought, you know, there's no way. There's no way. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go... I'm not eating that kind of stuff just for money. I mean, the things that people will do for money. And it's like, good. And these people, too, that get it, they go and they party it away in probably a few months. <laughs> and I just look at these people, and I think that's the only reason people watched it, is just because we're all amazed at stupidity, <laughs> I think is what it is. And, you know, we're kind of in awe of that. But in your right mind, another mind that we see, one we don't want to have in the Bible, is a doubtful mind. Luke 12.29 And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. Listen, uh, God's not saying, I'm not one of these people that believe that you know 
I'm not, you know, you should never save any money. Otherwise, that's just not having faith in God. Or, uh, you know, I'm not saying that it's wrong to, you know, prepare for retirement. In fact, I think a lot of that stuff is even biblical. But at the same time, one thing we shouldn't be doing is sitting around stressed out and worried about things and doubting God. Many times that's what we're doing. We doubt God. Things that we know is God's will for us to do. Things that God tells us to do and then we sit around doubting whether or not God's going to take care of us. Listen, God, if you do what God tells you to do, if you're obedient, then He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for your needs. He's going to do those things. And it's amazing how many how many people have that doubtful mind. We talked about that this morning. How people, even when they give their prayer request sometimes, they have an attitude of there's no way God's going to answer this prayer request. That's having a doubtful mind. We don't want to be that way. We ought to be we ought to have a positive attitude. We ought to when we pray, I mean it ought to it ought to excite us that we have the ability to give our requests to God and to bring those requests to him and to know that he can hear us. That ought to, it ought to be exciting to us. I mean we ought to jump at the opportunity to pray. We ought to be looking for times when we can get alone with God. I mean it's amazing how difficult it is to get you know, people to pray regularly. I mean, I and I think the only reason that people have problems with that is because of that, that they have that doubtful mind. If you knew, if you, people really believed that God was going to take care of those things, they would not hesitate for one second to pray. And many times, I believe that one of the reasons we get in the situations that we do, and sometimes God, or sometimes God puts us in a situation where we don't have anything else to turn to except prayer. Because God wants us to see that, hey, this works. That He wants us to pray to Him. He wants us to have a relationship to Him. But if you have a doubtful mind, you're not going to pray. We ought to also have a ready mind. Acts 17.11 says, And they were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. This is talking about the Bereans. I love... I love the way God talks about these folks. They, when they came to church, when they heard the preaching, these people they they were ready. And they, I mean, they they got they got excited when they heard the preaching. And this is how they were ready. They came, and I don't know how much of the scriptures they had at that time, but they obviously had some because they would go and check these things. And they go and they had whatever it was they had of the scriptures at that time. And these the apostles they would come along and they would preach to them and boy they're just they're listening with bated breath. I mean they're just they're excited. I mean they're they're listening. And then the Bible says that after they would hear the preaching, that they would go and make sure that what they said lined up with the scriptures. And you know what? That was okay. The apostles they didn't look and say, you know what, you people ought to just take my word for it. They didn't do that. They had no problem because what they were teaching them came from the Bible and these people were ready to listen. They were ready to do whatever it was they said to do as long as what they said lined up with the Scripture. They were, they were waiting, just wanting somebody to teach them. Boy, that's, I'm telling you right now, that's the greatest kind of people to preach to. People that are, are ready to listen. That come with an attitude, alright, show me what the Bible says. I want to learn. Well, I, I love that. I mean, that makes it exciting to get up and preach and to get up and teach. And I thank God. We, I, I, I love preaching to the folks here at this church. I mean, you can tell you got, I, I, you got their attention. They're listening. And that's exciting to me. 
But sometimes, you know, there's people that they don't have that ready mind. That they come kind of with a skeptical attitude of, alright, what are you going to try to give me today? Let's see if you see if you get me to listen to this. I doubt it. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to change anything. I'm going to continue to do what I want to do. You can go ahead and try. Go ahead. Take your Bible. Give me your best shot. Okay. And there's a lot of folks like that out there that have that attitude. And I probably could have fun preaching to them, but I have to hold myself back and not be and not be mean. But there's they have that attitude. And you know what? People with that attitude rarely get anything from the message. They rarely get anything. They usually walk away disappointed. They walk away saying thing, you know, saying that they're not getting fed spiritually. The problem is they don't have a ready mind. They're not ready to listen. They're not. And uh, we ought to have an attitude. I mean, we're excited. I mean, we ought to have the same attitude we would. Maybe uh, if you know, have you ever been to a restaurant before that everybody was telling you about? Like, man, listen, the food is great at this place. I mean, they just have the best food. And boy, you go there and you go there hungry. And you go there and boy, you order that food and you just can't wait to get it because you know. And I mean, I mean, you're expecting something great. And you've you've got that attitude. You know, bring that, bring it on. And you get that meal that was what you hoped for. Maybe it's even better. And you eat it and you just enjoy it. But sometimes, like me, when I was younger, especially, a lot of times I had a different attitude. If it had certain ingredients and things, then I wasn't even going to try it. I wasn't even going to like it. My mom would try to force me to eat some of these things. But sometimes, even if it didn't taste that bad, out of pure stubbornness, I wasn't going to like it. I didn't like being forced to eat things. <laughs> I was very picky. And you know what? That's the way it is. I feel sometimes as a preacher, you feel like almost like you're trying to force people to eat something that they don't want to eat. And when you do that, they're going to get stubborn. And even if they know it's the truth, they're not going to listen. But uh, you just you got to set it out there and hope that they'll be they'll take it willingly. We got to have a ready mind. First Peter five two says, "Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind." Having that ready mind again. Second Corinthians nine two, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. These people they had a ready mind. They were ready for a whole year, and that zeal it provoked others. To do the right thing, we ought to tell you, we ought to have a ready mind in this church. We ought to be ready to do whatever God wants us. We ought to be ready to see people saved. We get uh, see people saved. We ought to be ready to see people baptized. We ought to be ready to be a help to people as they come through here and as they have their different needs. We ought to just be ready to do whatever it is that God wants. We've got that ready mind. We're just waiting for something. We're expecting something. We're expecting God to do something. I've been to churches before. And you, you you show up at the services and boy the spirit there and the attitude is they're not expecting God to do anything. I mean they're just uh, in fact they're expecting failure. And then you come in there and it's like boy maybe you originally went in there expecting something, but after you get the attitude of everybody else, you're like oh wow. This is probably going to be a boring service. <laughs> I don't think God's going to show up in this service. We don't want to be that way. We want to have a ready mind. Then another one we see is a humble mind. Acts chapter 20, verse 19 says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears 
and temptations which befell me by lying in wait of the Jews. He said, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. You know, we we need to make sure we always remember that when it comes to serving the Lord, that that is not us doing God a favor. When we serve, when we serve God, me pastoring this church, anything that I do in this church, this is not me doing God a favor. This is God allowing me the privilege of serving Him. Whatever we do for God, it's a privilege that we do not deserve. And we ought to thank God for every opportunity we have to do something for Him. From the small things to the great things, we ought to thank God for that opportunity. If it's just cleaning the bathrooms in the church, we ought to thank God for the privilege of being able to serve Him. If it's just helping somebody else who's in need, we ought to thank God for the privilege of realizing that I don't deserve this. I mean, I, there's some people out there, if you, get them, if you can get them to do anything for the Lord, I mean, they just act like they're being martyred they act like they're doing God this great big favor. And, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. But you know what? Paul, he said, we do these things with humility of mind and humbleness of mind. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. We're going to... I haven't seen this yet around here, and I hope we don't, but I'm sure we eventually will. It probably, I think it happens probably in every church. But there's going to be people who come along that want to have some kind of position or place of prestige where they feel like that they're over people or where people will look up to them and respect them. Listen, that is not what the church is all about. That's not what it's for. The Bible says we're supposed to have be lowly in mind. It said, let each esteem other better than themselves. You ought to have the attitude when it comes to the people in this church, anybody who comes through here, you ought to have the attitude that every single one of them is better than you. That ought to be your attitude. Is that they are better than me. That if you are allowed away, or if you're if you have an opportunity to serve other people, I mean you ought to have the attitude, I'm not worthy of this. And some folks, boy, if they do like I said, if they do anything, they got to make sure everybody knows about it. They got to make sure everybody knows what they did. They gotta, if the pastor doesn't get up and say something from the pulpit about what they did, and I mean, they get offended. They're not going to help anymore. They should have gotten recognition. And listen, I, I mean, I, I try to, I try to recognize people. I try to brag people up. If they do good things, I like to try to make people feel good for it. We ought to try doing that. If you see somebody doing something, it's okay to compliment them. It's okay to give them a kind word. But none of us in here ought to be doing anything that we do for the compliments, for the recognition. If it comes, it comes. But if it doesn't come, it doesn't come. We're lowliness of mind. Maybe there might be somebody who comes along and they do far less than you do. and Maybe they get some recognition and you don't. You ought to be fine with that because if you have that humble mind, if you're in your right mind, if you have the right mind, you're going to be okay with that. Because the truth is, when you get the praise of man on earth, many times you're losing your reward in heaven. If you don't get recognition on earth, and somebody else does, it's okay. God's going to take care of you in heaven. 
And I can promise you, whatever God, however God rewards you, is going to be a whole lot better than any compliment that I can give you. It's going to be a whole lot better than any good feeling that I can give you. And we ought to be okay with that. In humbleness of mind, lowliness of mind, Colossians 3.12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, humbleness of mind. We cannot allow ourselves to get the big head attitude of thinking that we're something great. If you do, it's going to be bad. I'm telling you, I don't care for people who think they're too good for certain things. I mean, I don't like, I don't like big shots. You know, there's some, there's some preachers and things out there that, uh, you know, yeah, they're the big shots. They're on this level that's above everybody else. You know, I'm, I'm not a real big fan of that. And uh, I don't, I, I don't ask those people to come and preach in this church. I like people that will come and they have the right attitude and they don't mind coming and preaching at a small church. If they just want the big churches or places that are going to give them the big offerings, then not interested in them around here. People that aren't too big that they can't go and talk to the people here in this church and to get to know other people, having that humbleness of mind, it's biblical. It's the way it's supposed to be. It's the right mind that we ought to have. Another mind that we see in the Bible, and this is one you do not want to have, and that is a reprobate mind. Romans chapter 1, verse 28 says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. We don't have time to get a whole lot into the reprobate mind, but basically what that is, is there are some people that for so... For example, if you say no to God long enough, if you continue to disobey Him, to go against His will, to ignore the Word of God, to ignore the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you. There will come a day where finally God's going to say, alright, I'm done dealing with you. And you can go on your merry way and you can live just as wicked as you want to live and your life can get just as down the toilet as can possibly get and you know, in your mind, you're going to think you're fine. You have a reprobate mind. I've seen people before who grew up in church, who was taught the truth, who knew the truth, but they got to a point in their life where they rebelled against God. They went against the Word of God. And all kinds of horrible things happened to them. I mean, horrible things. And anyone else could look at that and say, boy, don't they see that God's trying to get a hold of their hearts? And you know what? They don't see it. In fact, if you talk to some of these people, not only are they continuing in their sin, but they're still promoting that sin that's in their life. You'd think they'd be warning other people that, hey, don't take this path that I took. This path has destroyed my life. This path has gotten me in the mess. But they're still promoting that wicked lifestyle. They believe that they're okay. They've even lost everything. And yet they still think they're doing the right thing. You know what that is? That's a reprobate mind. They can't see it. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. So, alright, fine. Go on. You, you go on your way. They still do with, deal with all the consequences of sin, but they don't see it. There are some folks when they get away from God and they God punishes them or bad things happen to them, they 
realize, hey, I did the wrong thing. And they repent and they turn from that. And a lot of times they have to deal, maybe for years, with the mistakes of their past. But they'll be the first ones to tell you, hey, don't go down that road that I went down. It got me in a lot of trouble. But there are those who've done the same things. They've lost everything, but yet they still promote wickedness. You know why? They have a reprobate mind. And we could talk a lot about the reprobates. And I've known some reprobates. But don't allow that to happen. You say no to God long enough. Maybe there's confusion right now. Maybe you're struggling. You're fighting God in certain areas. Don't keep fighting them. You might you can you can win that battle where there's no longer a struggle going on inside, but you're going to deal with the consequences of your mistakes. And you won't even realize it. I mean, your life will be down the toilet like you wouldn't believe, and you'll think that everything's okay. And that that's a reprobate mind. Don't allow that to happen to you. But another one, just a few more real quick. The carnal mind. Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Whenever we talk about uh, the carnal, that's talking about the flesh. Our flesh is completely opposite and contrary to the Spirit of God. It's 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 what it's sinful. It's got the wrong nature. When we get saved, we've got that new nature, but that carnal man, it's still there, it's still alive, it still fights us. And if we're always thinking about the flesh, if we're always thinking about what pleases us, what pleases my body, what pleases my mind, if that's all we think about, if we have that carnal mind, we're going to constantly mess everything up. We're going to constantly be going against the will of God. Colossians 2.18 Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels and intruding into those things which ye have not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. The reason some of the goofy religions are out there that we see things that that people that believe things that are so opposite of the Bible, it's not even funny. I mean, it's amazing the things... I mean, most religions today... Uh, use the Bible to a certain extent or they say they believe the Bible but yeah, you look in their religion and you look at their teachings and you can show them all kinds of Scripture that proves that what they're doing is completely wrong. It's like, how did you come up with that? I'll tell you how they came up with that from their carnal mind. They're not thinking about spiritual things. They're thinking about what their flesh likes. That's what they're thinking about. And we don't want to have that carnal mind. We don't want our flesh to guide what we do. We want the Spirit of God to guide us. But another mind that we need to have, we see in Romans chapter 15, verse 6, and that is one mind. In other words, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of one mind. You know, in church today, there ought to you know, we all, because of our different personalities, we all got different opinions and everything like that. But at the same time, there ought to be certain things where we're all in one mind about, where we all think the same. If you all think that, I mean, we ought to all be thinking the same when it comes to where salvation comes from. It comes from Jesus Christ and nowhere else. We need to be in one mind when it comes to that. Well, that's something we can't disagree on. We ought to be in one mind when it comes to uh, the Scriptures, that we believe that they are the final authority, not the human intellect. Not, uh, not our emotions. The Word of God. There are some things we ought to be in one mind about. Second Corinthians thirteen eleven. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. 
Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Paul told us to be of one mind as a church. That was important. That they had unity. Philippians 1.27 Only let your conversation be as it becometh the Gospel of Christ. Though whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the Gospel. That one attitude we ought to have here is where we ought to be in one mind is that the purpose of this church is to promote the Gospel of Christ. That is that is the main thing. We can, we can all talk about different fun stuff we like doing and you know, different activities and programs and things like that. But when it comes down to it, we one thing we all have to agree on is that this church is about promoting the gospel of Christ. And there's more verses that we have about being of one mind. But also we ought to have a fervent mind. Second Corinthians seven seven. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you, when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me so that I rejoice the more. That fervent mind. When we think of when we think of the word fervent, uh, basically it's like an extreme or like a, like a fervent heat is mentioned in the Bible. I mean, we ought to when it comes to how we feel about God and the things of God, it shouldn't be a passive attitude. It shouldn't be something we're nonchalant about. We ought to be serious about it. I mean, we're when it comes to uh, our love for the savior, we ought to be serious about that. You know, I would hope, you know, Brother Menez, that, I, I, that if I came, it's like, you know, how do you feel about your wife? You're like, guess I love her. You know, that that wouldn't really be a good attitude, would it? No, hopefully you're fervent about that. Man, I love my wife. I love I love my kids. But you're fervent about your passion about that. We ought we ought and we ought to be fervent in our love for Christ. You know, I hope I hope you're fervent about this church. People ask you, hey, where do you go to church? I go to Liberty Baptist. Oh, really? What do you think about that church? I stay awake most services, I guess. You know, our pastor's kind of loud. It helps keep me awake. But uh, I, I, well, I, hope, I tell you, if you have that attitude, good luck getting people to come. We ought to be fervent about it. We ought to be excited. Be excited about it. Be fervent. Have a fervent mind when it comes to our God. We ought to be fervent when we talk about Him. We ought to be excited. People ask you, say, hey, you know, something different about you. Tell them why. Say, I'm a child of God. I'm on my way to heaven. You could, you know what, you could have that too. Boy, you ought to get excited about it. When, when people are excited, that kind of thing, it spreads. People want maybe, you know, there's, there's maybe a television show. You hear everybody talk about, oh man, this show's just great, this movie is great. And maybe before you'd seen it advertised, you'd see it, come on, you didn't pay any attention to it, but everybody was always talking about it. And then the next time you see it, it's like oh, you, you pay attention to it a little bit. And you know what? If people see others fervent about this church, or they see people fervent about God, maybe someday they're driving by here on a Sunday, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'm going to drop in on that place. You know, let's go check that out. Because people are fervent about it. I remember when we came to town, I remember talking to people, yeah, our church, they, they were telling me about their church. Our church is just really going downhill, one lady said. I was like, wow, that sounds Real exciting. <laughs> it's like we've been trying to do stuff to get people in, but it's just not really working. I mean, boy, it was depressing hearing some people talk about their churches. There were some that were excited, but some folks thought, "Man, I'm not going there." It's like if I want to get that depressed, I'll go visit the funeral parlor. <laughs> but we have a fervent mind. All uh, one we don't want to have is a vain mind. V e i n 
says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Basically, a vain mind. A vain means empty. And I'm not talking about just having an empty mind like there's nothing going on in that brain, but nothing of importance. Much of what people are focused on today is all vanity. It's all empty. For example, some people, all they think about is money. Listen, I'm not against making money, but that shouldn't be your whole life. That's vanity. That's empty. Their life is all about possessions and what they can get for themselves. I'm not against possessions. But you know what? Possessions, they're vain. They're empty. You can't buy happiness with money. No car is going to bring you happiness. No house is going to bring you happiness. It's all vanity. But yet, that's what some people's entire lives are centered around. Maybe it's some activity. You know, maybe it's sports. I like sports as much as anybody, but you know, it's all vanity. It's all empty. When it comes down to it, that baseball player that you care about so much and you're so passionate about, if you're sick in the hospital, he's probably not going to come visit you. He's not. When you're struggling to pay your bills, no matter how much he's made off you from you buying all of his jerseys and take all the money they got from the tickets that you paid to go watch them play their games and things. They're not going to help you pay your bills when you're struggling with that. If you want to be a sports fan, I'm fine with that. But it's vanity. That shouldn't be all you think about. It shouldn't be all that's going on in your mind. That's having a vain mind. Don't do that. And then lastly, one thing that we all ought to have, and this is this is one that's getting harder and harder to find people with this mind, and that's simply a sound mind. Second Timothy 1.7 for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When we think of a sound mind, it's one that it's under control. These people, you know, they're, maybe things are difficult. Maybe everybody's stressed out at work. But you know, there's that per- we ought to be that person that's got it under control. We're not panicking when everybody's getting stressed out and getting mad and yelling and screaming and cussing. We've got a sound mind. We keep our cool. We keep our attitude good. We have a sound mind. When people or others may be panicking, maybe worrying about the economy and worried about where this country is going and getting uh, all anxious about these things, we have that sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. If you have, if you're, listen, I understand it's hard not to fear when we see some of the things that are going on in this world today. But if you do have that fear, that spirit of fear in your heart right now, it didn't come from God. It came from the devil. God doesn't give give us that spirit of fear. But God gives us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We ought to have that sound mind. Philippians 2.5 Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We ought to want to have a mind like Christ. 1 Peter 4.1 For as much then as ye have suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind for he has suffered in the flesh that hath ceased from sin. Ephesians 4.23 And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. One thing that you'll, well, I think we all can agree on when it comes to our mind is if you're in your right mind today, doesn't mean you will be tomorrow. We can kind of go all over the place sometimes. I don't know if you noticed that. Maybe it's just me. But we can kind of go all over the place. And it's something we need to constantly be renewing. That's why we need to stay in the Word of God. That's why we need to stay in prayer. That's why we need to stay in the house of God. We need these. We need to be constantly reminded of these things so we can constantly be renewing our mind towards that which is right.
Because if we don't, you get out of the house of God, you get out of the Word of God, you get out of prayer, it's not going to take long and your ways of thinking is going to be completely different. And I can promise you it won't be right. And you'll be like most of the world today, not in your right mind. And the question I want you to ask sometimes, am I in my right mind? Are you in your right mind? Are you... Not, I'm not talking are you insane or anything like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about are you, are you in your right mind? Just because you can go see a psychiatrist and you can pass whatever mental test that he gives you, I'm not, I, I'm not, that doesn't mean you're in your right mind. There's a lot of the stuff that we talked about that a psychiatrist there not going to pay attention to. They're not going to care about. Psychiatrists these days, all they pretty much do is tell you who you can blame help you find somebody to blame for all your problems. They, they just give you a medicine to make you feel good. They rarely fix people's problems. Yeah, they, they medicate you up. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not really working. It's getting pretty it's getting pretty messed up out there. And we need it and we all could end up in that position if we're not careful. And that's why we have the word of God. It, it helps us get our thinking straight. And I know you, you know you look at some of us and you think, ah, there can't be a whole lot going on in between those ears. <laughs> but there's quite a bit that goes on in people's minds. We don't know. We have no idea what people are going through out there. I mean, uh, well, that's why we got to. That's why we got to be merciful. That's why we got to be meek. People, people are struggling out there. They're going through some difficult times. We have no idea what's going on in people's heads. While on the outward, outside, they might be smiling and might seem fine. You have no idea what people are going through. And we live in a world today that's full of people, even in churches today, that aren't in their right mind. So, I'm not saying they're insane. I'm not saying they need to be institutionalized or anything like that. But what they do need is they need the word. They need the word of God. They need to get and they need to get in their right mind. And we're all only. We're all only one step away from getting out of our right mind. That's why we got to constantly, constantly be focused. Because our emotions, they do. They're all over the place. All the time. That's why we tell people, don't base your salvation on how you feel. Because you're going to feel saved one day, and you're not going to feel saved the day after that. If you, if a feeling meant you were saved, I, I should have been saved about 842 times at this point. That's... It's not about an emotion. It's not about a feeling. And we need to get in our own mind. We need to start thinking like Christ thinks. And that, ta- that takes some work and that takes some dedication, I hope. you do that. So let's all stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.